following is a presentation of the Retro Network. Strap in, movie fans. We're about to take you 30 years into the past to explore the biggest blockbuster hits of the 1990s. I'm Pete. And I'm Michael. And And this this is is Box Box Office Office 30. 30. Machine gonna rock the town without being seen. Have you ever seen a turtle get down? Slamming and jamming to the new swing sound. Yeah, everybody let's move. Vanilla is filled with the new jack groove. Gonna rock and roll the place with the power of the ninja turtle face. Iceman, you know I'm not playing. Devastate the show what the turtles are saying. Ninja, ninja, rap. Ninja, ninja, rap. Ninja, ninja, rap. Hello, hello, and welcome to the April 1991 episode of Box Office 30. I'm joined by usual, but my good buddy and co-host, Michael. How are you, sir? I'm great, Pete, and I got something to say. So I'm here for pizza and ninjas, and I'm all out of pizza. Oh, no. (laughs) I just just, just lay my dad joke because I possibly could get to start this thing off. Oh, boy. (laughs) We'll take it. Uh, We are also joined tonight by a special guest. This is a very good friend of Michael and I for many years. We met in college. We'd like to welcome to the show our good friend, Luke. Luke, how are you, sir? I'm doing great. Uh, I mean, I really appreciate you guys having me on the podcast. I'm really excited uh, to kind of dive into the turtles lore and stuff. Yeah, uh, I knew you would. I, I said to Michael, <laughs> like, uh, when this episode was coming up, and I was just saying this to you, I was like, oh my God, the first person that popped into my head is Luke. Like, I've, I've like, <laughs> since I've known you, I've known you've been like a turtles guy. So I was like, I got to get him on here at a point. And this is like the perfect, uh, spot to bring you in i think <laughs> so th- this is a this is a real deep cut question that that we're gonna probably have to explain afterwards but i gotta ask you luke if you had to lean on which you would prefer ninjas or knights which way would you go oh, oh. oh my goodness. <laughs> all right well uh, i'll give luke a minute to think about it so so the, the backstory to that is one of our our big group uh, video projects we did in college that Michael came out and helped us for and and is to date still one of my absolute favorites that we ever produced is a is a film called Nightlife uh and it was a it actually kind of not too far off from this a a talk show um where there's a ninja and a knight and the knight it's actually the knight show luke plays the knight sir knight luke yes and uh, and he's interviewing me the ninja about what it's like to uh to kill a man (laughs) you know and uh uh, and then it just all falls apart into a giant uh music Music video (laughs) with a lot of lens flare yeah a lot of lens flare yes (laughs) And it, it, it came out way better than I thought it would. Pre-Jason like we Abrams lens flare all in. Yes. <laughs> so what is it then? I don't know. Ninja or knight? <laughs> I would say I would probably have to lean towards the knight just because of what you, you know, Fair that enough. whole segment. I'm definitely going to lean knight versus uh, ninja. 
Fair enough. Point. Fair enough. So in about 30 years when we get to Lord of the Rings, we'll call you again. Yes. <laughs> I'll be there. Oh boy. Well, Luke, we uh, we like to introduce our guests on this show in a little segment that we call Character Development. Okay, so Luke, give us a little bit of your background. You know, give us a little bit about who you are, interest in movies. Tell us about you. All right. Well, if I have to sum myself up in in a movie sense, I am a diehard comedy, romantic comedy kind of guy. Uh, I'd love to see the good guy win. Um, But that being said, I'm not really that interested in horror Horse. Oh, just, so you're going to fit in with us. <laughs> always talking about being too creeped out. <laughs> like, I'll creep myself out once in the blue moon, but it's yes. not the first thing to go to. It's like, okay, we have this horror flick where this, this girl comes out of the TV, or we have a thing about girls on TV who like to dance. It's like, oh, I'll go there. I'll, I'll go watch that one. I'm not going to watch a scary girl come out and try to scare me. No, I'm not going to do that. No, I do not um, like that girl from the ring. <laughs> but she I needs mean, to go back inside her TV right now. <laughs> absolutely. Um, but my interest started, I think it's, it's perfect to the box office 30 idea, which is, 30 years ago in the 90s, that's the formative years of my movie watching uh, started. I really couldn't believe that uh, when I went back and looked, I'm like, wait, that movie was there. That movie was there. All the movies that kind of form my my own creative and uh, knowledge base of what I like and what I don't like, it all comes and stems from the 90s. It, it was It was amazing to think that. Like, this decade really formed what I... I grew to love yeah it, it's kind of scary when we go through the list of certain movies that pop up really like, oh my god i forgot about that movie and i <laughs> i love that movie it like molded me in a certain way it's very true yeah i feel like we're very hit or miss on this podcast because there's like i don't know for every like five movies that were like what the heck is that we're like we got one where we're like oh i love that movie <laughs> <laughs> as i was looking at the list I, I couldn't believe it i was like Okay, some of them I, I watched once back in the day, and that's it. But it was good, but it was yeah. it was back in the day. And some of them I'm watching day after day after day. I, I still watch them and, and queue them up and watch them the whole way through. So it, It's strange. When you go through a list of these movies, sometimes you're like, how is this not the box office movie? I've watched this movie four million times. How is this not the number one movie? And it's because you see like, oh, my God. That was the number one. You're like, wow, it's such a weird thing. But you're like, I was obsessed with this thing. Yeah, it's interesting. Now, like I said, uh, you know, we know Luke um, from the same school we went to during our, our film classes now. But you were more in uh, the graphic design, computer animation, and and you kind of crossed over. I think my first true recollection of like spending the most amount of time with you was during our um, editing class, I think. Yeah. Right? Or am I missing that? Like we. No, that uh, was. That was uh, what was it? Edit one or edit two? I yeah. think we were doing Final Cut Pro. <laughs> yeah, and we were we kind of had this um, Larry and uh, I'm blanking on your character's name. Oh yeah, uh, he was. We we came up with this series of shorts that was like this guy Larry, who was this other guy we were working with at the time, 
and uh, you were his boss, and uh, <laughs> those. Oh were yeah, those yeah. were funny. I remember those. Those were good. <laughs> and those kept like progressively ramping up until eventually the series was kind of not even about Larry anymore. It was more like about your character because he was like, wait, like actually, like the funny part of the series was like. The first episode was like really like serious. Like it wasn't as tongue in cheek as later ones. Like the first one was like these two guys sort of like, oh, we got to like cover up these reports or something like that for like, like in a business. But then by the end, like you were just like this like crazy guy that was like, like, like I think my favorite was like your typical day one where like you're just like hanging out at your desk, like, like making paper footballs and like looking at a map. And like, it was just like so utterly ridiculous. <laughs> it was, it really was. And I, I, I it, we didn't script it. It was just like, okay, we're going to, we're going to go from this one to this one to this one. But it, as we went on, it was like, well, let's just get into this character because I, I mean, I'm playing him as like the strong boss who tells the subordinate what to do and the subordinate just goes along with whatever I say. How far can I push this guy? And then like we pushed him to the point of like I was I was almost like a, a Joker character to a Batman. And then and then like, let's just focus on the Joker and see what he's <laughs> he's like doing on his own. And that just went all all, all over the rails, you know? Yeah, like I think the finale, if I remember, was that he quit finally. Like, he finally, like, had yes. too much and he, he quit. And, like, yes. <laughs> the, the kid, the kid <laughs> like, quits. Right, That's right, yeah. <laughs> I remember that. Yes, he does. He, like, I can't take it anymore. He, like, slams his stuff down and he just walks out yeah. on you. <laughs> uh, that was great. So, but, uh, you know, that, that leads me to um, a little bit of, like, what you do now. So you're still working in in, in animation capacity. Yes, yeah, yeah. To this day, I'm actually working on a little animation right now. Uh, not Pixar level of, of <laughs> animation, but typical New Jersey uh, uh, medical animation. And, typical uh, Jersey medical animation. <laughs> yeah, typical medical animation. New <laughs> Jersey. You know, like, Excellent. like just I can see the graphic come in, and then yes. the two fists, and like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, would you say though, like, um, you know, I, I feel like you know, Mike and I have kind of covered this, like, you know, especially because you kind of ended up trending towards the animation side of things. Do you feel like that's fed by like '90s animation, like in movies or TV shows, or like what brought you to that career? Without a doubt. Um, Two movies I can I can pinpoint where it, it started. Um, Nineteen ninety five Goofy movie. Okay, <laughs> I knew I liked you. <laughs> really, That's one of my all time favorites. The Goofy movie. I used to watch this on re- repeat. I used to get a VHS tape, put it in, and my mom would just constantly rewind. And I go, okay, it's done. And she'd come in the room, rewind it, play it again, and I watch it over and over again. And I didn't realize how formative it was until I showed my son, Joey, the movie. And I was like, as, as a parent showing a child it, I'm like, I know why I watched it the whole time. <laughs> Cause my kid is like glued to the screen watching like the, the opening intro where the, yeah, the grass it, it like up. this. It really it does. does. I it's have funny. to say this one thing, Luke though. I just picture you like Will Ferrell in, uh, <laughs> in wedding crashers. Like, man, VCR! I don't know if she does it there! Man! VCR! <laughs> again! 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 Another um, really good friend I have to get on this show at some point because I talk about him, I feel like, basically every other episode is this good friend I had growing up, Trevor. And him and I bonded so hard over Goofy Movie to the point that, like, to you, you're like, you're saying for you, it, like, reconnected with you, like, showing it to, to your kid. And I, certainly, I've shown it to mine. 
But like the the thing where I connect with this is like every time I bump into Trevor all these years later, and we've gone off our separate ways and like, you know, we've got our different things going on, but we always like meet back. So we grew up on the same road. We, we run into each other. We always still reconnect over this damn movie. <laughs> you know, like who's your right. favorite possum? You know I mean? Like, it's just like, there's so <laughs> much to love about Goofy movie. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to go off on that tangent, but it, like. It's you, kind you of funny me. though. But, you know, just so everybody knows who's listening. We're not reviewing the Goofy movie tonight, even though we <laughs> no, all no. love it. We're yeah. actually reviewing Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, The Secret of the Ooze. Just yeah, so we're getting right. there. We're getting there. <laughs> we're, we're, we're working towards it. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, the other what was your second? Yeah, what's your second? The second, second movie would be Toy Story. Oh, yeah. Um, for that's sure. where the 3D animation came in. And that was like everything was new and foundational, and they were like, we took three weeks to render one scene where Woody <laughs> takes his hat off and salutes the crowd. Like, and I was like, oh, wow, this is so amazing. It's like big production animation. And that's what made me want to be an animation major. Wow, was rendering Story. something in 3D for three weeks. That sounds exactly like college. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, it's kind of funny. And, I mean, Toy Story is one of those movies that still holds up to this day as well. And I've been watching it with Grace literally every day this week. She's watched all four Toy Stories and then said, okay, let's watch this, the first one again every single day. And she just loves it. And then my father-in-law's over yesterday and he's watching it with us. And he goes, I've got a friend named Woody. And she goes, no, you don't. That's Woody. <laughs> the, the guy with the hat. You don't know him. <laughs> it's really funny. There can be only one. Yes. <laughs> the other great thing with Toy Story 2 as a franchise, I feel like, is that you can go from one to two to three to four. And it's like the perfect, especially if you're watching them in a row, like the perfect segue for exactly how far that medium has come. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you go back and you, you know, all of them hold up story wise. You know what I mean? Like nobody's ever going to say the Toy Story movie isn't like just done so well in that category. But like, it's so cool going back and watching the first one. You can kind of see like what we thought at the time it came out is like, oh my God, this is mind bendingly good. Like you can all of a sudden see the seams and you're kind of like, oh wow. It's, you know, like look at how the stuff looks now compared to then. And then you get to two and it's like a little bit better, but it's still a little janky. And then you get to three and it's like, wow, they're starting to really make strides. And then you get to the fourth one and you're like, oh my God, this is like practically real life at this point. You know, the like fourth, the look fourth at the hair one on that like, cat. Right. <laughs> oh my God. The, the isometric fourth, lighting. Fourth <laughs> yeah. You know what's funny about it though? Like, if you think about it like this, like Toy Story 1 and Jurassic Park 1, right? Mm -hmm. They were really at the infancy of this style of animation and 3D modeling and everything. And yeah, if, I'm sure if you watch it on a 4K screen, you can see, you know, that it's not. Per but just like the the magnificence or like the the majesty of how they assembled this thing and were able to do this with technology back then that your phone is more powerful than now is just <laughs> unbelievable, you know? Right, right. All right, so uh, we've started a trend as of our last guest, and I'm going to keep it going here of, of kind of hitting you with a surprise, fun, secret question. So Ooh. my question for you, and I'm going to put you on the spot here, this is, this is where the clock's ticking, um, is – 
If you had to pick any 90s cartoon character that you could be, who would it be? Oh, man, you're going to just... Now, I feel like I know who you would answer. So I'm curious if you... This is like the the, the marriage uh, show. What was that? <laughs> the, the honeymoon show, whatever. Back then. I feel like I know who you'll pick, and I'm curious to see if you're going to pick who I think you're going to pick. Okay. It, 90s character. From a cartoon. Um, from a cartoon. Um, there was there was several that I picked, but the first and foremost, um, probably because I'm just being brainwashed by our segment today. But Leonardo from the <laughs> oh, Ninja he's going with Leo. Okay, All right, Leo. that's that's not where I thought I was going to aim for. But in yeah. fairness, the guy is wearing literally a Ninja Turtle shirt that is like the <laughs> chest and the belt with the L from Leo. So I mean, that's that's fair enough. How about non Ninja Turtles? Just curious. Um, the second on the list was Cyclops from Marvel. Okay. All right. Fair enough. You know where I thought I was going to aim with that? And maybe you're going to think I'm nuts for saying so. I was thinking Doug Funny from, (laughs) from Doug. Yeah. I mean, that's personally, Doug Funny is me. Um, I just, especially with the Patty connection. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I, I spent many a night talking to my wife, Patty with the Patty mayonnaise (laughs) thing. We went back and forth on that, that, yeah, that definitely was a, a pivotal cartoon uh, (laughs) my marriage (laughs) i've thought about this a lot this particular question in relation to me and i've got a a character that i bet you would never guess i would pick i'll give Mm. you i'll give you two guesses like the the first Uh, and foremost most obvious which is probably obviously not what you're suggesting right now would have to be like batman from the animated series i would feel like you know what i mean but but he's shaking his head no at me. Let's see who else would you, let me let me narrow it a little. Are we thinking like action cartoon or comedy cartoon? Uh, action cartoon. Okay. Hmm. Uh, he Man. Oh, that's eighties. No, I guess that's, that's really not nineties. <laughs> uh, hmm. You'll never guess this. Okay, so 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 hit me with it then. <laughs> Goliath from Gargoyles. Ooh, oh, actually, you know what? If I had hung in there for a while, I might. I mean, I don't know that I would have necessarily pulled that for you, but I, that's a character I would have picked. Oh my! Oh, God. I love that show. <laughs> love that show. Good with, a cl- um, with an honorable mention of Scrooge McDuck. <laughs> yeah, there you go. That's a good one. That's a good pull. I'm gonna I'm gonna go the route uh, that Luke went into because I was just such a um, big fan of the show uh, in the '90s. I'm gonna go with Wolverine um, from X Men because I was I was definitely way into the X Men show. And you uh, with, could probably grow your hair like Wolverine as well. Yes. We, and actually, I mean, I, I say Wolverine, you know, I might actually even redact that answer because truth be told, like I've always been, and we've talked about this on Wizards, I'm such like a Spider-Man fan and I've always had like that Peter Peter Parker connection. I might actually even go with with uh, Spider-Man from the 94 cartoon. That's probably even more where I'd uh, feel at home, I think. Another great cartoon. There was so many good shows back then. There's yeah. just so many good shows. You know, so Pete, I thought that you would be a Gambit. I thought you'd Yeah, be you know, I Gambit's Gambit's I don't know, he's a little too slick for me, I feel like. <laughs> Not that I like exactly fit like Wolverine either. That's probably why I'm like more in the zone of that Peter Parker, the kind of nerdy photographer. That that kind of fits the bill, you know? <laughs> right. <laughs> now, you know, I was just talking like I just posted this on Facebook. I don't, I, I think Mike saw. I don't know if you saw Luke that I I discovered um, a, like the other day I was in my car and I saw some like spider webs in my car and I was like, oh, I didn't think too much about it because 
I didn't see the spider, but then like yesterday morning I saw the spider and it was like a big white spider and I tried to get it and I couldn't I get am. it, which I means know. now two things. Car. It means I don't know where it is and it means it's also angry at me. So <laughs> yes, I need to burn the car down now <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> or like I need to go trade it in and get something different because, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, th- there's a, a part of me that would like to think I could get some like spider powers, but then there's a part of me that thinks I'll come out like six arm doppelganger, and that's not helping anybody. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to come out spider comma man. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, making this choo choo train go along down the tracks because we've been derailing it a lot lately. Uh, any new movies you guys have seen, new or new to you? Well, I saw Justice League, the Snyder Cut. Yes, oh, wow. uh, I actually did manage to see that one as well. Um, I, I don't want to dive too far down that hole because there's so much speculation online, but uh, yay or nay? <laughs> I'm going to say may. May. <laughs> may, okay. So, okay, it's four hours long, cool, whatever. I had to get through it in about four sittings. Um, I think I was a likewise amount of viewings. I think certain elements of it were very interesting. I thought that the movie was better than the theatrical version. Yes. My one problem with the movie, or one of several, but the thing about this movie is, like a lot of these movies of late, it has, in my opinion, zero rewatchability. I saw it. I don't need to go back to it. Yeah, I agree. I mean, like, you you know, I mean, you know, my position and I know your position, certainly on like the Lord of the Rings movies and the length of those like those I'll rewatch, though, even despite the length. This my rewatch of this movie was to rewatch the Snyder cut of like the Joss cut. Like, that's right. the rewatch. I don't I don't feel a need to go back again. <laughs> like, I, I can see myself sitting through, you know. Six hours of watching Infinity War and Endgame together oh, yeah, before, yeah. before I would sit there and watch this again. Well, I like I said to my wife, my initial reaction is that it's better than the previous cut. Like there, there's I was definitely more enjoyable. But that said, I immediately turned that off and then turned on the first episode of Falcon and Winter Soldier. Oh, my God. I was like, this half hour was better than the entire four hours I just spent on that. You know what I mean? So, like, yeah. (laughs) And, I mean, it really – the one thing that really, truly bothered me is that it was at a 4-3 aspect ratio (laughs) calibrated for IMAX – Yet they know this movie is going to be on HBO Max. And the last time I checked, I don't know anybody that's got an IMAX theater in their basement. <laughs> so, yeah, this you know, was a bizarre choice. And, and you this- can't watch it on your phone. You can't watch it on an iPad. I had to watch it on the biggest TV in my house. Yeah. And I still had to stare at those stupid black bars. And I just was like, this was not shot on a mini DV camera. You I know? Mean, here's what I'll say. Like, it faded in for me after like 10 minutes and I stopped caring. But it is a bizarre, bizarre choice that you're like, it's launching exclusively on HBO Max is eventually coming to IMAX. Like, that's the plan. But like, the point is that it's launching on a television service and you need to fit it to the format of what that audience is watching. So it's a really, really weird choice. And I understand like artistic direction and like all this sort of thing and the concept that like oh there's more to see 
But then I saw this great thing online after the fact that was talking about, it was like comparing the Joss Whedon cut next to that. And essentially what you have is just like a lot more headroom. So like, great. You can see like more of like the Kent house top or like trees or higher up on a statue, but it's not helping you with the characters. Like, it's not like you're like seeing like more of wonder woman or more of Superman. You're just like seeing like above their heads and things, you know, cause they just essentially left more room to cut, you know, to crop in. I don't know. It seems like a really pointless choice for the medium that it went on, but that's a whole other thing. <laughs> so what do you think? Any other, anything? I, this was a slow week for me. I, you know, um, Kong I, versus Godzilla, Godzilla versus Kong just came out and I did not get to see it yet. I'm itching to see it, but I'm I did not get to see, see it. it. I did not have time to see it. I really so, want to watch because it. Because it sounds like our, our well's a little dry. Let me throw this out. Where do you guys stand? Team Zilla or team Kong? Ooh. Kong. <laughs> All right, we got one Kong um, here. Uh, I wish I went first because I was Kong too. Yeah. Was, <laughs> All right. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna balance things slightly out with the big mean green machine. So uh, I'm I'm all about Godzilla. I gotta I gotta hold with him. See, now that I, said, that's nothing to, to diss against Kong because I love him too. But my grand hope for this movie, and I haven't seen it, I have not read any spoilers. Is my big hope is it turns out that he's actually facing off against Mechagodzilla, and then it's Godzilla and Kong versus Mechagodzilla. And why? Because I love Mechagodzilla. <laughs> so I would love to see him in the movie. <laughs> see, I didn't see uh, Godzilla, King of the Monsters, but I did see the King Kong movie that came out a couple of years ago with Brie Larson, and I loved that. And I didn't like the Godzilla movie with Brian Cranston. Yeah. So I'm feeling like, I have more of a connection to this King Kong you because of that. the Brian Cranston one, um, but King of the Monsters is freaking awesome. It's like it's just like they took like a classic, perfect you know thing like those characters, and I won't spoil the various characters in it for you, even though it's a little old at the moment. But it's it's just perfect. It's what it needs to be, and I'm hoping that it follows suit in in this one. Um, because when they focus more on what the monsters are doing and knocking down stuff, it's a lot better than focusing on bizarre stories of people and them monsters incidentally in the background. <laughs> that's that's my hot take. <laughs> <laughs> I, I kind of agree with you, Pete. Um, just to throw it back to the 90s, the Godzilla movie in the 90s, yes. where we oh, focus oh. mainly on the people and their oh. lovely romance. And <laughs> when there's, a, there's like a 90-foot creature stomping through New York City and we're like, but baby, I love you. <laughs> it, it, it's it kind of puts it like in perspective. You're like, but he could just crush this whole love story in like one step. Right? Yes. <laughs> but, but I actually I, liked the '90s uh, Godzilla movie, and I know that that's an unpopular opinion, but I actually I got a kick cool. out of that movie. I, and not. secondary to that, I even more so appreciated the Taco Bell dog um, commercials with Godzilla. <laughs> I think we'll need a bigger box. <laughs> <laughs> but, oh my god, you just like. I just had a flashback to that. Just by saying that, I was like, I had, I had the poster of that uh, Taco Bell on my wall at a point. <laughs> you know, but on the contrary to your argument there, I loved the first Cloverfield movie, which you almost never see the monster in the whole thing. Yeah, but you see, like, now that's like a whole different thing, though. You know what I mean? Because, like, I mean, A, it's found footage. So, like, you kind of can get away with that. But B, it's also introducing something new. You can't have something as iconic as Godzilla and then just kind of have it like as an incidental thing that's happening like elsewhere in the back of the scene. You know what I mean? Fair. Like if you're doing 
king of the monsters. He needs to be king of the monsters. You can't have like, you know, oh, Brian Cranston. And then he dies a third of the way through and that was pointless. And <laughs> now the story is about somebody else. And yeah, I, I forget. <laughs> fair point. Fair point. Yeah. <laughs> Noted. All right. So moving this guy along, we like to take a little trip back in time in our segment called Box Office 30. Okay, so we're looking at the box office list here for April 1991. And uh, as we mentioned, top of our list this uh, month, and we'll get into it in a little bit when we get into our review section, is uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, The Secret of the Ooze. All right. This movie earns a modest $35 million in uh, April, goes on to grow $78.6 million domestically, on a $25 million budget and a March 22nd release date. All right. So moving down our list, second place this month. Uh-oh, here he comes again. We have to be careful what we say on this podcast, Luke. I'm not sure if you you know. We're, we're very afraid that Mr. Steven Seagal, if we say the wrong thing, might come and hunt us down. We, last, last time we were worried we'd be marked for death. If we say anything wrong today, he's going to be out for justice <laughs> do, do you want a, a fun fact there pete please steven who is on my wizard podcast with me and our uh 90 super cinema he used to work on steven seagal lawman oh so there's like a mutual connection <laughs> yes there's actually a connection to it oh no does he have contact information because like uh I, now i, I don't know it's to say, you know, we we kind of dumped on his last movie. I'm not going to dump on this one, but if we, maybe we could get Steven Seagal to come chat with us, that'd be pretty cool. That would be pretty amazing. I'm sure he would do it for a nominal fee. <laughs> oh, well, that's where things are going to fall apart. You know, yes. Michael tonight is wearing his long sleeve box office 30 shirt. He promised uh, last episode, I think it was, to, to show me. And uh, I told him I yet again forgot my uh, box office 30 uh, COVID mask down in the car. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, if we, if we sell a few four more of those, maybe we'll get enough shekels together <laughs> to, yeah. to be his, his fee. <laughs> I don't know. It's going to be rough. <laughs> uh, Out for Justice is our second place movie this month, earning $27 million. So uh, just a few more million, and we'd have had a second Steven Seagal movie in the, in the top spot for our uh, – podcast i don't know if i would have wanted to go down that route <laughs> no <laughs> uh silence of the lambs worth mentioning moves down our list this month from number one to the number three spot with 23 million in april um now there's definitely some some uh outliers that are hanging in there past that for us we've still got dances with wolves and sleeping with the enemy at the four and five spot um, the other one worth pointing out here is Home Alone, still hanging in there, the number ten spot with ten million dollars. Could you imagine here in April. going to see Home Alone, a Christmas movie, in April, and it's still pulling in ten million? I yeah. wonder if that's internationally though. Like, you'd have to think it's got to be gone from the theaters by now in the United States. 
I, I think it's still hanging in there. I mean, I forget how they break this down on here, but I believe it's supposed to be um, domestic gross. And then they kind of tack on uh, international, like outside of that. Um, but either way, uh, it's, it's still hanging in there. And, and to your point, you know, a holiday movie all the way out here in April. I mean, it's still going, you know what I mean? Like $10 million. There's plenty more movies. That's the number 10 on this list. There's plenty more movies that come after this that are not making $10 million that also haven't been out for half a year, you know? But I got to so, ask you, have you ever heard of this movie on the list? That's number eight, the marrying man. Yes. So this is, uh, again, one of the first in our list for the ones here in April. I don't know this one. No, I don't. It's this Walt Disney movie. Um, it's rated R. Yeah. I, I don't know this one. I'm curious I've to hop over. I've never seen it. I, 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 I looked at the, the stills and I was like, I remember those two being in a movie, but... <laughs> Don't remember the movie at yeah, all. Yeah, we just pulled it in. It's it's uh, Kim Basinger and Alec Baldwin uh, are in this movie. Um, well, they were in a different movie together where he was a a surgeon, and that's where they they got married off of that movie. Yeah, this, I mean, the premise is here is um, millionaire playboy goes to Las Vegas, comes out married to a woman he barely knows. I mean, sounds fun. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> yeah. you know, why not? But uh, yeah, no that. What I was actually going to say before you even ran down the rest of them is like, we've got another one of these like sketchy months here where like pretty much most of the April releases are movies. I don't know. I do have some exceptions in there. Are there others that you recognize either of you? Uh, let me see. April. Movies. So just to run it down while they're thinking. So we've passed the marrying man. We've got mortal thoughts, the object of beauty, Oscar, a kiss before dying, toy soldiers, which this is one that I do know. I'll, I'll Oscar, come back to Oscar, it. I know. I, uh, I know. Talent for the game, Spartacus, the 1991 re-release. So a lot of people know Spartacus. Impromptu, Daddy Nostalgia, Thousand Pieces of Gold, and Journey of Hope. So uh, nothing in there again outside of Toy Soldiers or Spartacus is really ringing a bell for me. Do you, what, what's your recollection of Oscar? Uh, I just remember the poster. I, I let me read this. Uh, a gangster attempts to keep the promise he made to his dying father that he would give up his life of crime and go straight. That's not what I thought the movie was, but I do recognize the name. And uh, I don't know who the actor is. Yes. Uh, and again, I don't know if this is in... It's Stallone? It's Stallone, yeah. It's Stallone, yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. I do remember this movie then, yeah. Because you know how I remember this movie? It was featured on Inside the Actor's Studio. <laughs> interesting oh wow <laughs> he was asked about it on that yeah I, that one definitely escapes my recollection um toy soldiers i'm trying to think of where i've talked about toy soldiers before I, I can't remember if it was on this show or on wizards or somewhere i've mentioned this but um i i recall that when i brought it up that i had actually missed um some of the people in it who is actually like a fairly decent um list of actors that that you would actually recognize um, I mean, topping it out is Sean Astin and Will Wheaton. Um, and uh, I'll give you the the official synopsis is a group of troublemaking boys decide to take a stand when terrorists seize control of their boarding school. Um, this was a movie that my cousin showed me. And at the time, I, I like this was probably like I probably saw it when I was maybe like 12 ish, maybe somewhere in there. 
and it's a rated R movie. So I feel like this is one of these first like truly like rated R movies that I saw at like a younger age than I necessarily would have been seeing these at. So I felt like I was on like the inside secret of something really good there. And um, the the famous story that I have tacked to this one is that I so enjoyed it with my cousin that I was like, oh, I got to show this to my mom. Of course, that's like the next <laughs> logical step. So I stuck it on. And there's a scene at a point in this, and I don't remember exactly the context of the scene, but it involves either female nudity or like a sex scene or something like that. And I remember much to my horror at a point as it's coming up that this scene's about to come up. And I like, I'm like, I gotta go upstairs. And like, I start like walking upstairs and you just hear my mom like, Peter, <laughs> you know, like, so, so that's my famous um, toy soldiers recollection. And I think the last time I talked about this movie, I called it tin soldiers, um, which was another screw up. I realized after the fact, cause then I like listened to it. When, I think it was on wizards. I mentioned this or something, but then I recalled after the fact it was in fact toy soldiers. So that's actually worth in my recollection worth watching. I'm curious if I watched it again, if I would, say the same thing but uh kind of one of these 90s terrorists see something and the good guys have to get it back sort of uh tropes this was one of those movies where i didn't see it like on cassette or anything like that but my uh, one of my uncles had an illegal cable box that had like pay-per-view nice. and i was sleeping over at my grandmother's house and he had the box in his room he was only a couple years older than me at the time and i was like what are you watching he's like what's this movie called toy soldiers i was like I'm in. I was just sitting with my <laughs> uncle. He was like 25 and I was like 11. <laughs> this is great. This is fantastic. Now, like, There's another movie from like, I think it's from the 90s and it was like a, um, I think it was stop motion um, animation. You remember what I'm talking about that it has like literally toy soldiers um, oh, and yeah. it's like they have to like fight against these kind of like beastly kind of. Yes. Uh, it's, it's not toys of Robin Williams, but it's like a, uh, uh, something commandos or some of that are like, uh, yeah, like I, there's, there's another thing that like, when I think of this movie's title, it always brings that movie up in my head and I can't for the life of me think of that, what that one's called. So Luke, I don't know anything uh, out of that list, uh, sticking out for you, big Spartacus <laughs> fan. <laughs> <laughs> Not really, but the funny connection I have to the list is, uh, you probably talked about it in the March, uh, podcast, but career opportunities. I watched it, uh, just like two days ago. Really? All right. So fill us in on career opportunities then, because I I think we glossed over this one as not having really remembered it well. It it what sparked it was uh, this YouTube video where they put other music to a montage of a John Hughes film. So it was like they're dancing, and it's Jennifer uh, Connelly, I think it is, and uh, and and she's in a white t shirt and she's dancing and she's got her black skirt on and she's in the Target. And she's dancing and dancing. And then this dorky guy comes in and he's wearing the whole target. Like I'm the, I'm the janitor guy and they're dancing on rollerblades. And it's like, it's total eighties esque <laughs> montage where they're, they're dancing and they're, they're being romantic and, and cute and funny. And I was like that song title. I was like, this is great. I'm going to go watch the film. Finally, like two days ago, I'm like, I'm putting it in, I'm going to find it. And I found it on one of the streaming services. I'm like, this is, oh, John Hughes did it. Okay, cool. This is probably going to be good. And I put it in, and this the the main character, I, I, I don't know his name, but you would you would recognize him. He's got, like, he's been in a million of these, like, campy romantic comedy movies and stuff, but he starts off, like, as a, a, like a liar. He's just basically a lot, town liar. Everyone knows he lies, 
and he says all these big dreams. So he starts the film. He's like talking to like a 13 year old and like a, a couple of 10 uh, year olds. And he's like, you know, I work for the CIA and we have this project going on and, you know, I can't tell you too much about it because then you'd, you'd, you'd be in trouble because yeah, the terrorists yeah. <laughs> would come and get you. And they're, they're just starstruck. Like, oh, my goodness, he's the best. He's the most amazing guy in the world. And then he goes to work and he works at like like a, like a, uh, uh, just a regular convenience store. And he's sitting in the boss's chair and the boss is like, what are you doing in here? And he gets fired immediately. So you start to find out that he's just a liar and he lies everything. And um, what I got to the sequence that the music plays in and they'd play a totally different track than the YouTube film. Oh, like some, some guy actually put better music to it. Gotcha. And really? it ruined that moment for me. I'm watching the movie and I'm like, this song is not good. It doesn't <laughs> capture the, the romance. It doesn't, it doesn't do it for me. There, it's like, it's more of a bombastic, like, and you're like, no, it was, it was like this, like, artsy. By the way, you basically just um, did the DuckTales. Um. Yeah, I did. I mean, that's my go-to. Small soldiers. My Kennedy has just um, um, brought up a, a image. With, Thank you for looking that up. That was going to bug me now. So not toy soldiers, but small soldiers. I guess the title was taken. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah so anyway the 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 film was was uh was not as good as i thought it was going to be are you and really surprised no i'm not really surprised <laughs> but uh now based on the numbers i'm like i'm really not surprised but uh i was hoping for a little bit more and it it, it didn't didn't add up really gotcha <laughs> Well, we always like to take a look at the um, <clears throat> trash that's at the bottom of our list on a given month. And uh, unfortunately, this is one of these months where we've got the Miramax film that's at the bottom of the list, which means that it's not something that's like super fun to, to chat about. But the very bottom, number 33 on our list is a movie called Journey of Hope. And uh, the synopsis for this one is a story of a poor Turkish family who tried to emigrate illegally to Switzerland. Not a lot of fun to uh, <laughs> to do the movie voice or anything for that one. And likewise, the second closest one, Thousand Pieces of Gold. In 1880s China, a girl is sold into marriage by her father. Rather than becoming a bride, Lalu ends up in a gold mining town where she forges a path for her own freedom and ultimately true love. Not the fun trash movies we normally like to look for at the bottom of our list here. <laughs> so, I just want to point this out, though. The the movie number thirty one, Daddy Nostalgia, is a little bit. I'm kind of curious about it. And that you know, I looked at it, and again, it's another one of these ones that just doesn't seem like. It, it sounds like a fun name, but it doesn't pan out to much. <laughs> yeah, it's an art house film. It's another like little artsy, artsy, ugh, whatever. Disappointing. I wanted something really like ridiculous, like that George Clooney movie that we found one time. I was like, what is that? Yes. Uh, I mean, if we move a little ways up the list here, uh, number 28 is Talent for the Game. And this is one of these like 90s baseball movies, which I feel like you just don't see movies get made like this anymore. Um, And the reason I bring this up is it's starring Edward James Olmos and Lorraine Bracco, which is almost worth watching just for those two, I feel like. Uh, And this is... Virgil Sweet is on the verge of losing his job as a talent scout with the California Angels when he discovers Sammy Bodine, a country boy with no pro ball experience, but with a pitching arm no one has seen the like of. Except out of Rookie of the Year. Now that was a pitching (laughs) arm. No, 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 no. 
the scout. Remember the scout with uh, Brendan Fraser. With, Remember and, uh, any 1990s baseball movie? <laughs> <laughs> but, it's uh, all the same formula. <laughs> this is the, that's literally the exception the same. maybe of like Angels in the Outfield. That was a slight jump off that, but that's true. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but Sandlot maybe not. <laughs> oh, the Sandlot! I can't you know what we got to do it at some point. This just made me think of it. We got to do like a 90s baseball movie. Top well, ten list. Today is <laughs> yesterday was opening day, and, and we we oh we missed it. We got to do it this month, maybe as a bonus or something like that. Or yeah, whatever. like we, we I just realized we need to like create some top ten lists. We got to do nineties um, airplane hijacking movies, nineties terrorist take over a place movies, and nineties <laughs> baseball movies. <laughs> I, I also what I should have done. I thought about this was maybe next year we'll do this like a March Madness. Type of a theme contest. We can actually get the listeners in on that. Yeah, we yeah. missed it from this month, but that's not a bad idea. Uh, uh, yeah, I think we're gonna we're gonna proceed with that next year. We'll we'll throw some uh, movies into a bracket. See now, why couldn't we have thought of that in the beginning of March? We gotta we gotta <laughs> get these eyes. At, well, I mean, it's perfect for us that we would think about this literally April like two days yeah after the fact. But <laughs> next year, friends, tune in next year, and we promise we'll do a March Madness of '90s uh, movies. Uh, well, speaking about trying to remember things, let's head into this month's total recall. Okay, so I will just start off by saying when I did the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 1 on 90 Super Cinema, I recalled this movie and not <laughs> the other one. So I am going to recuse myself of this movie okay. and I'll let you guys do the recall. <laughs> Good for you that you were able to pull it out for the other one. Uh, let's run down the normal list of um, the who's who in this film because I, I think there's some fun stuff there to point out. So... Ninja Turtles 2 is better known as Secret of the Ooze, maybe. Uh, TMNT 2 is directed by Michael Pressman. Now, uh, most of his films are before our time. Uh, among them are Boulevard Nights, Those Lips, Those Eyes, Dr. Detroit, and Some Kind of Hero. Um, any of those ring a bell for you guys? Some Kind of Hero does. Yes, that's a Richard Pryor movie. Um, Dr. Detroit has... Um, Elwood Blues in it. Dan Aykroyd. I was blanking on his name there for a second. Um, the other two don't as much ring bells for me. Boulevard Nights, I think, is kind of a, a celebrated one of his. I think it was one of um, the movies that was brought into the um, Congress archive or something like that. I forget. Hmm. Um, something like that. But, you know, not like not the most well-known list of, of movies here. Probably Ninja Turtles 2 is going to be one of the more recognizable titles from at least people of our generation here. Uh, it's written by Todd W. Langan, who also wrote the first film. It's based on the comics characters by Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird, so they get like a little uh, sub-writing credit. Um, and really, besides some TV writing credits, these are his only two movies, and really, Ninja Turtles 2 is like his last like feature um, well, really second and last feature credit. He did some uh, episodes of the Wonder Years and something, you know, a couple other little TV shows like that, but pretty short um, writing list here. Uh, did I say directed? I meant uh, written. Um, so uh, he's also credited, I thought this was funny on IMDb, as the writer of 
the ninja rap. Now, I thought uh, Robert Van Winkle, excuse me, Vanilla Ice wrote that. What do you guys think? Co-written? Go Ninja Go? (laughs) I'm pretty sure he, he at least said ninja. (laughs) <laughs> I, 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 in, the, in the writing room just he, he, he just said to himself don't let suge knight know i'm doing this <laughs> I, I would just like to know the backstory of this i mean obviously you know vanilla ice is quasi big at the time shows up in this movie with his cameo very well known but can you imagine the lunch meeting or scenario where you have the writer of this film sits down with vanilla ice and they're like let's bang out some Hip hop, you know, like some Ninja Turtle hip hop. They wouldn't have said it back then, but like, lay down some bars, let's go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) You know what, though? The thing is, at this time period, you have a lot of artists that are making music for movies. You have Prince did Batman 89, you had Bobby Brown did Ghostbusters 2. Like, you've got a lot of different movies that are getting like, a heavy hitter to make a big song specifically for a movie. And this was like the next step up from that, because not only did the movie have a song made by an artist, the artist was in the movie. (laughs) Now, but like, here's the thing, because I like you saying like heavy hitter, but like, you know, really to me, and again, this is through the 30 year fog. All right. Because I don't remember so, so clearly. I mean, Vanilla Ice was like a one hit wonder. I mean, he had Ice Ice Baby. You know what I mean? I I know that he had like albums. I couldn't tell you any of the music off them. I feel like, and maybe you'll disagree, but I feel like the ninja rap is maybe the beginning of the end for Robert Van Winkle. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would say so. I would say so. Yes. Um, we have a we have a clip that I'm going to see if I can um, stick over on social media oh, that was so uh, sent to us via uh, Nerd Jam Room. And I'm uh, going to apologize. I'll, I'll definitely get it right in the uh, media post right now, but I just don't have it in front of me. Uh, it was sent by um, some good friends of his uh, to us uh, that they were down in SeaWorld recently, quasi recently, I guess, and caught Vanilla Ice performing, performing it with a Ninja Turtle, I think, on stage at SeaWorld. During the daytime. During the daytime. <laughs> wow. So, uh, yeah. (laughs) A little note on that. Um, I followed uh, like a makeup artist on TikTok and they made all of those costumes for the the turtle movie, uh, the second turtle movie. So they basically have Leonardo, Donatello, Michelangelo and Raphael. And they go out and they do like stunts for TikTok where they're like, oh, give me a pizza, man. And they're all like, it's fully workable. Now, are suit. they still holding up? Because funny thing is, I remember, I don't know if you guys saw this, like, I want to say it was like a year or two ago. Um, they were trying to auction off what was left. And they're deteriorating. Of, of, of like the Leonardo um, costume from the original movie. And it was like nightmare fuel. This is another thing. I'll see if I can stick it in the, uh, oh, it's horrible. In the social media uh, post. But like, we're going to lose oh followers God. if you put that stuff yeah, it's, it's so scary. Like, it's <laughs> such nightmare fuel because it's like it was like completely deteriorating. So, do you think these are the original costumes or do you think no, they no, like, remade these them are like, again? 
Yeah, these this was a house that did it like from scratch and made their own costumes. I got gotcha. you. They definitely they definitely held up. They also did like Transformers. They did like Megatron and Optimus <laughs> Prime, and and like legit like you put in stilts and you put the guy in the suit and he walks around and stuff. You'll have to really send cool. this to me. I kind of want to see it. Nope. I will after this. <laughs> I will definitely send it to you. So, uh, you know, we usually talk now about um, who the film stars are at this point, but the names of everybody we're about to talk about are are fairly unrecognizable. There's a few in there that you'll know if you're into like maybe voice acting and following voice actors and things like that. So instead, I'm going to compare the voice actors who stuck around versus who changed from the first Ninja Turtles film. There are quite a few. There's quite a few that changed. Interesting bit of turnover. So. Uh, we have Leonardo, uh, everybody's uh, favorite leader of the team, has changed from Brian Tochi to Mark Casso. Donatello stayed the same. This is a gentleman by the name of Leif Tilden. Raphael changed from Ken Scott to Josh Pice, I think is his last name. Michelangelo stayed the same. That's uh, Michaelon Sisti, I think is his name. Mm-hmm. And Splinter stayed the same. Kevin Clash. Now. Let me quiz you, because we're both, uh, we're all dads here. Who is the other big famous character that Kevin Clash played besides Splinter? And this is for a number of years, ending sometime around like 2018. Oh, um, wait, ending when? 2018-ish, I think. I don't know. Who? Elmo. Oh, right. Oh. Yeah, 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 right. Can you imagine uh, Master Splinter by like, Elmo? <laughs> like, so uh, Kevin Clash has got some range, I guess is, is all I'll say about that. <laughs> Do you know who he also played? I don't. The baby from the dinosaur show. Okay, I can see that. Yes, I can see that being the case. We've actually been rewatching that recently. Uh, in our house, Zoe's caught on to that in a big, and bad way. You, you have a mistake, by the way. Do I? Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm not. I'm not mistake proof. <laughs> the, the voice actor for Donatello in the first movie is Corey Feldman. Um, judges. Uh, IMDb has oh Leaf Tilt. Oh, but not his voice. Corey Feldman's the voice. Yeah. Leaf Tilden is the actor actor. So did I screw this up for the second movie then is the question? Yes. Yes, you did. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> That's okay. It's like happening. Partial? The voice actor voice actors wise, yes. Now what's interesting, and maybe I really screwed this up then, because now that I'm looking at it a second time here, the actors that I've listed, I'm not seeing the voice actors in the second one's list. Oh, you know what? All right, so I just realized they're way down the page, so I screwed this up. So um, to fix my error maybe a little bit here, so this is second movie actors. Michelangelo is played by Robbie Rist. Leonardo is Brian Tochi. Okay, so that didn't change. But Leonardo Uh, got got a voice actor too, though. And then, yeah, this is just the voice actors. Uh, Raphael is voiced by Lori Faso. And they have Donatello's voice is Adam Carl. So it did still change, at least from from Corey Feldman. But wow, weird. Corey Feldman, ladies and gentlemen. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, uh, yeah, I batched that whole thing up. <laughs> 
It was hard. It was I didn't know that till Nerd Jam told me, and I was like, I will. You got well, me. Well, you know, it, it's so funny because I, I I was trying to think in terms of voice actors, and then I realized just now, once you mentioned it, that I, I was looking at the top of the page where it wasn't mentioning voice on the funny enough on the IMDb page at the top. It was listing them down below. So. I guess that's where I'm screwing that up. So, wah, wah. <laughs> uh, so at least some face actors. Um, April O'Neil's a big change here. So she's now played by Paige Turco instead of Judith Hogue. And the Shredder is played by Francois Chow, replacing James Saito. So, question. Given that these movies were released less than a year apart, what do you think happened with these cast changeovers? Money. <laughs> do you, i'm sorry so do you think like uh judith hogue and james saito were like asking for the big bucks i mean is that what probably that's what i think okay uh, it could also be you know just other obligations possibly and uh there's other there's another character that you forgot another actor you forgot in this movie the super shredder who plays that mm. See, I don't think I was thinking that deep. <laughs> Kevin Nash from The Wrestler. Interesting. Is the, wow. is the super That's Shredder. A, nice little tidbit there. Yeah, he doesn't like, like to admit it, though, apparently, I was told. <laughs> All right, well, I can see that. I think there's a, you know, and again, we'll, we'll get into this as we hit our, our review and our, our, our later in the recall section here. There's probably a lot that the folks that were connected to this moment, movie probably would want to avoid. I mean, the funny thing now that I'm scrolling down the list here, just trying to like pick out if there's any other names I notice. Funny enough, there's um, Susie Essman is in this movie playing Soho woman. <laughs> so like, I mean, that's like a really random, um, you know, spot. I, uh, the director, Michael Pressman is in here as the news manager. Um, Vanilla Ice plays Vanilla Ice, obviously. <laughs> uh I'm just trying to see if there's anybody else's names that I noticed now that I've so thoroughly screwed up uh, <laughs> some of the other ones. Michael Jai White's in this as an uncredited audience man. Yes, he is. <laughs> All right. So uh, before we try and totally recall this film, let's talk turtles in general. So, uh, Luke, as our guest, tell us what the Ninja Turtles meant to you as a kid and, frankly, as an adult. Well, I mean, they meant a lot. Um Obviously, uh, they 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 formed my precision of like what my friend group would be like, like what my perception of the the friend group would be like. It was, you know, uh, you have four best friends working together for a common goal, and um, it, if I think about it, uh, as video games became more prevalent and we were working, you know. We're going from Nintendo to Super Nintendo. All of a sudden, there's two controllers, then there's three, then there's four. You know, the the turtles kind of created this atmosphere of like it. It was fun when you were playing with your best friend, but when you had four people playing together, it was it was magic. And I think that's what captures like that magic when you have that many friends together in in a really close bond and and really like brothers. Um, you get that that kind of feeling of like I belong here. These guys are going to support me no matter what. Um, and we like <laughs> I remember spending like the first time you saw turtles, you sat down with your friends. You said, "Okay, who's what turtle?" <laughs> like that was the first thing you did. Like, all right, you saw turtles. Yeah, me too. Uh, which one are you going to be? And then you had like these like 
like rock, paper, scissors and, and all kinds of like draws to, to be <laughs> like, okay, I, I really want to be this turtle. Well, I want to be like, I want to be, uh, you know, Leo or I want to be Raph because he's like always like the cool one. He goes off on his own and you'd have like all these fights of like, but do you know that turtle well enough to be that guy? <laughs> you know, I think that that kind of mentality and, and all those personalities clashing with each other kind of made this this incredible bond that you could just instantly be one of them. You know, you're like, I really identify with Leonardo because I was the firstborn. Always had to be perfect. Always listen to my parents doing, <laughs> doing what I had to do. And for my uh, my my best friend, who was a hothead, I mean, he would he would you know get angry at a drop of a hat. It was wrath. Yeah, and me and him were best friends. But sure enough, you know, I can recall three or four times in my childhood where this this best friend guy, um, and we get we get at it, and it would feel like straight from the movie, like. I lost a sigh. I lost a sigh. And you're like, you know, and I'm like, it's not a big deal. It's like, this is a big deal, you know. And and you'd go back and forth, you know, with each other and like calm each other down. And and that movie captured it. And going into the second one, it it it, it like uh, you know, you just kind of grew with the turtles. And then it it got into the the series and stuff. The Ninja Turtles followed me. You know, it, it wasn't just like two three movies. That's it. You never hear of them again, you know, um, with the animated series and everything. It just followed us. So you're watching the cartoon and then another movie came out. And then like when I was a teenager, another movie came out. And then as an adult, they're like, hey, we're going to reboot them and make them 3D. And it's going to be so cool. We're going to make them real realistic. Too. <laughs> you don't love it. And, you know, like that's the thing. It's, it's an evolving franchise that has followed me from the start of my interests as in like, you know, my pastimes and everything to now. And no, I you're just, so right. I mean, it, it's such like a funny thing because like <laughs> when it first comes out, it's like you, you have like the newscasters like teenage mutant ninja turtles, weird, four different things, you know, like, but like it, it is one of these funny things. Like, I mean, like what a weird concept. And like, you know, especially with if you go all the way back to like, um, it's comic origins. Like it was like a joke that the two of them came up with. And like, imagine like that. It's like all these years later, still going strong in one form or another. You know what I mean? Like I felt like for me, it came at like the perfect time in childhood. Like I was into like, um, he man and Thundercats like in the eighties. And then like, I was into like GI Joe and things like that. But then this series came along and I was like just the right age where I was like collecting the toys a ton like I had like I had so many of the Ninja Turtle toys and I was so into the cartoon at the time. I was super jealous of my friends who had like the Technodrome and the blimp and like all the really cool stuff. My brother got for a birthday the the turtle van and I was like, oh, that's so awesome. You know, and like, as you said, I'm really happy you brought it up. Like the video games were so much fun. Like the original um, NES game was fun and excruciatingly hard like especially when oh, you yeah. get to like the um, oh, so underwater sequence where you're diffusing the bombs and you have a ticking clock um and then like you brought up you know like more friends with the controllers i was curious if your if your game of choice with the multi-controllers is uh turtles in time for snes oh yeah that date is like with like it's like on the pillar up there with like golden eye and like the original halo is like some of my favorite favorite game to like play with friends like super super fun 
Um, <laughs> you know, it, you you so perfectly wrap it up. It really is like it's just like a great series that like it's so out there and yet it works. It just works on so many levels and the characters are all really unique and bizarre. And like, you know, I think it, like, it, like is I, we probably run into this stuff now, like with us with, as a matter of fact, we were talking about it before we got going on the, the show here tonight. It's like, Oh, how are you guys doing? Oh, good. Our kids are watching a ton of kids programming. Yeah. We got some Peppa Pig. We got talking Tom, you know, whatever. And we're like, Ugh. and like, imagine our parents when they're like, we got to get what teenage mute what what's a mutant what turtle ooze slime what you know like right. they're probably like oh look he, michael has just dug out what looks to be a original michelangelo i am uh, it is not the, it's actually not you know? the original so there is so i wish it was i used to have the original so one of the things that was a big thing for me was the action figures you mentioned it, the blimp and the van and all that my cousins had the blimp and who had the technodrome i had the van but then it got thrown down the stairs by my sister and got destroyed. But I had a couple of the turtles. This one was like the Michelangelo that I got, but it wasn't the original line. It was like a second boot where they had like other interactive things where like their hands would spin. And if you look like, like I've chewed off the hand, he's, he's missing another hand and I just dropped him. But something else that I thought was very interesting was the Ninja Turtles cartoon show and the movies they they transcended just being for boys right like anybody could like the turtles because they're just you know fun pizza loving guys right dory and i have been going through like our old stuff seeing what we're going to throw out and i found a box today of her collection of trading cards and she had Ninja Turtles trading cards oh you got to snap a picture so we can put it on our on our socials (laughs) I will. And I said to her, I'm like, you watch Ninja Turtles? And she goes, of course I did. I love that show. And I'm like, we've been together for 12 and a half <laughs> years. And this has never come up in conversation once. And I mean, don't get me wrong. It was mixed in with like Nukas in the Block cards <laughs> and and 90210 cards. But I, like, I didn't even have these Ninja Turtles cards. And I was like, wow. I was like, wow, this is pretty crazy. So. I just found that kind of interesting that it's like it was a, a type of a, a genre or characters that weren't just for boys. They weren't G.I. Joe. They weren't He-Man. They were something that anybody could listen to or anybody could watch and enjoy. Yeah, that's a great point. No, I mean, I think they were just like fun and relatable and like neutral. And even though they were like all guys, I mean, you had a great character in April O'Neil. Um, you know what I mean? Like I, I, April O'Neil was like an early crush for me. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you know what she was also like? She was a more fleshed out Lois Lane because she wasn't the damsel in distress at that time, where Lois Lane was still kind of like trying to break out of that mold of being the the girl that Superman has to save all the time. April O'Neil could essentially kick the Foot Clan in the face and knock them out herself, and she didn't necessarily always need the turtles to save her. Kind Definitely. Of thing. So, like, speaking of those cards, like, um, either of you have any foray into those comics, like, either in the past, or have you ever caught up with them in the future? Okay, so I I can tell you what's going on right now. Yeah, yeah, go for it. So they've recently started a new line of Ninja Turtles comics, 
And the biggest thing out right now is called The Last Ronin. And it is essentially several, several years into the future, and all but one of the turtles are dead. And he is now, you know, Ronin, as if, like, you know, if you know anything about, like, ninjas or samurais, they have no master, they have no anything, they're just kind of like a rogue yeah, wandering. Yeah. And, yeah. And so he's, you know, beating up the bad guys, taking down the villains and trying to get vengeance for basically his entire family getting wiped out. And it's like the number one comic in the world right now is The Last oh. Ronin. It's in like second and third reprints already because it's just selling out like crazy. Uh, and each book is nine bucks a oh, piece. Wow. And they're not normal size. They're like large scale comics. It's really, really cool. I, I have the first two. I haven't finished the first two yet, but it's uh, I, I don't even want to give away who the Ronin is, but you'll never guess yeah. what it is. <laughs> if you want to guess, I, I'll tell you if you're interested. Um, There's a part of me that would somehow think that Leo would, would last just being who he is, but I'm going to go the complete opposite end and say Michelangelo. Luke, what's your guess? I would say the grittiest one to hang on and uh, would be the Raph. So, you see, I thought it was going to be Raph too, but it's actually ding, 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 hey. Michelangelo. <laughs> wow, party yeah, you know what? I mean, like, there's a part of me that thinks that that would be kind of the most fun way to go because, like, again, I'm not, what I was starting off this thing sort of to say is that like, I know about the comics history of sort of how Ninja Turtles got going, but I'm not somebody who's ever had a chance to read like a proper Ninja Turtles comic. And yeah, I know that either. typically so unlike the cartoon and even really the movies, they tend to be a lot darker and grittier and things like that. And so like, there's a part of me that would like to think that they took like the, the nineties continuity of like Michelangelo as like the pizza eating party loving dude and like had to make him like really dark and serious. You know what I mean? So I'm happy that I'm on the same page as, as whatever they're doing, I guess then. <laughs> yes. You got it. You're right. It hey, so I screwed up the, uh, the stuff before and I made up for it now. <laughs> <laughs> I recently got the, uh, the anthology of the first comic book series. So they, did you really? And That's it's, cool. It's, it's big, large neat. print, and they basically go through the whole thing, the first ever comic of Turtles and how long it ran. And you're right. When you go in there, it's like the foot soldiers are kid, like guys, and you stab them, their blood's coming everywhere, and, and you're like, oh, man, they, they really were not <laughs> around. They were like, you know, we're going RoboCop. We're going like, you know, a million lives. Nothing matters. Let's just go. And, you know, the Turtles were, were just as, you know, uh, you know, snarky and and whatnot, but there were just more grit. There's just so much grit in the, those comics. I read the whole thing from from uh, front cover to the end, and I was like, "Wow!" Like that was the start. That was like the start of that that series and and what we we know to turtles. And then every so often, I would pick up a turtles comic. I go to a comic store. I'm like, "What are they talking about now?" Like, and I know the one that stuck out is as much in the vein of the last Ronin. It was like. Hey, it's Turtles number one, and it's it's uh, Donnie's birthday, and I was like, "Oh, cool! Uh, they're they're celebrating his birthday. Like, what's what's a milestone there?" And they're all having pizza and stuff, and then all of a sudden, like everyone gets riddled with bullets, oh, and geez. they're all taking cover, and then all of a sudden, it's Donnie, and he's bleeding out, and they're like, "We can't stop the bleeding!" And I'm like, 
<laughs> my childhood no <laughs> exactly and, and and from that experience i'm like well maybe i don't want to dive so deep into the comic realm and i want to stay on the, the cartoon and yeah yeah the, the lighter the lighter fare a little lighter they're ruining the magic for bit, you a little bit like i know in comics there's always a will to come back like you know, they can be like, he's dead. We buried him. And then you just see like the hand at the end of the series. Yes. Like, he's, he's back. Like yeah. the shredder hand, right? <laughs> yes. Very much like the shredder hand. <laughs> so you hit on this before, Luke. I can't help myself. Who's your turtle? If, if you're, if we're out in the play yard, who are you, who are you calling dibs on? If my kid wasn't sleeping, I'd go get my bandana. I have the blue bandana. I'm definitely <laughs> Leo fan. I shouldn't be surprised with the Leo shirt you're wearing, I guess. So why is Leo your guy? Why why is he why is he your your turtle? <laughs> in in my most close grown-up uh perspective, it, he was the leader. And growing up, I was in charge of my little brother and my best friend. And we hung out every summer together. It was always like backyard battles. And I would lead them through and I make the scenario and they'd, they'd all listen to me. So I always felt like I had to round, come on guys, like get the scraps together. Let's go. And every time I saw Leo do the same thing, he's like, come on guys, what are you doing? And they'd always be off doing their own thing. I just could relate so much to that character. And he, he's also in a lot of cases, the moral compass for them. Like he, you know, when Splinter's not there, he's the one that has to, you know, guide them yeah, in the right direction. Like, rock. He, like he sort of has to like yeah. get them all on the same page very frequently. I feel yeah. like you're so right about that. Yeah. And I always found myself being the one to put all my friends on the moral compass of like, guys, we really shouldn't do that. That's not <laughs> nice thing to do, or that's not the best thing to do. We, we could do better than that. And so I always related to Leo um, throughout my life and uh, still do. <laughs> nice. How about, How about you, you guys? Who's your, who's your turtle? Oh, I mean, I do love Leonardo also, but I I tend to lean towards Raphael these days. Like, I feel like there's just this, like, if, you know, if you look at it, like, if Leonardo ever died, he'd be the next one to step up to to lead to, you know, he also has this unique perspective on the world. And he has this, you know, bitter resentment which i don't necessarily know that i relate to but i understand where he comes from and his point of view and and i, and I just i like a sigh a sigh's are cool. <laughs> cool i mean it's so funny like even just like based on like the two of you like like the two of them being pulled up you know like i remember as a kid like one of the things you would often argue about outside of personality is like oh well i mean like leo has two swords i mean like two swords wins, you know what I mean? Like sort of thing, right? But then like you'd have your friend who's like, yeah, but the size are built to catch swords. So he would like take his swords away, you know, and all this sort of thing. And then they're like, oh yeah, but like Mike's nunchucks would do that too. You wrap it around the sword and all this sort of thing. Um, it's funny. I think for me, early into my turtles love, it would have also been Leo. I mean, I feel like everybody comes in with like Leo or maybe Michelangelo. Like I remember my brother, Michael was very into Michelangelo. Um, you know, so like he was like really, really into him as a kid. And of course he was younger at the time. So it's like, you know, me as like a eight year old versus like him as a four year old. So like, of course the four year old's going to be like, I like the one that's a lot of fun. You know what I mean? Right. He loves yeah, pizza. Yeah, yeah, I exactly. love pizza. <laughs> I think 
over time and like in my adulthood, certainly, but even over time when I was younger, I started phasing more over to Donatello. I became like a big Donnie guy. And like, you know, like I related to him on like, I loved that he was into like technology and he was always like the smart guy in the room and like always figuring out like cool ways to do things. He was like, he was like the smart guy, but he's also like Gilligan. Like he always had like the coconut thing to like solve how to get off the island, you know? But I, you know, like again, like going back, Luke, to like the video game thing, the other cool thing about Donnie, and I don't know if you guys remember this trick from the original TMNT game, was when you had to first face off of, against Bebop and Rocksteady, you could stay up on the ledge and use the long reach of his bow staff down at them. So I became a huge Donnie fan playing that game because his bow staff had such long reach. Um, so it was definitely a cheat. It was definitely a cheat. It was. It was. It was <laughs> cheap, but you know, that's that's. I learned that trick, and I was like, "Damn, this is good." <laughs> you know, so I, I, I definitely became a Donnie guy over time. So that's why I get an extra, like, "Oh no!" When you're telling me Donnie's bleeding out in a comic, I'm like, "That's not good." <laughs> no, it was not good. I, I, I mean, let's face it. If you could figure out how to take a New York City manhole cover and fire it at high velocity out of a moving yeah. vehicle, that's yeah, pretty smart. Cool. Now, the funny part is, you say manhole cover, I think I remember that, but like when they had the toy, like didn't it also have like a pizza on top of? Couldn't they fire like pizzas too or something like that? Yeah. Yes, they yes. could. Yes. Excellent. All right, let's uh, let's try and actually dig into the movie proper here. And of course, um, Luke is going to be joining us again in two weeks to do the review of this movie. So we're going to get even deeper in it then. But Luke, do you remember this movie? Do you remember the plot? What what sticks out to you about um, Secret of the Ooze? Uh, I have a question okay. for you first. Do you know what the Secret of the Ooze is? Secret of the Ooze is. Now, are you talking the comics Secret of the Ooze? I'm just talking about the secret of the ooze. There's actually a big secret that revolves around. I mean, I remember this, the, the comics secret of the ooze is that the ooze is a byproduct of the chemicals that blinded Matt Murdoch, daredevil. Uh, yeah. Bingo. <laughs> Give that. Now I don't, I don't know that that go. carries so much over into the cartoons or the, or the movies, but um, I, I did catch that as, as far as comics history goes, which is, it's a cool thing, you know? And like, there's a lot of parallels then to daredevil, like um, it, daredevil is trained by a guy named stick. The turtles are trained by a guy named splinter. <laughs> the, the, mm-hmm. the daredevil fights the hand, the Ninja turtles fight the foot. You know? So, I mean, there's definitely like mm-hmm. all these cool parallels that they brought into it, but um, I, I don't remember how much of that continuity is like, explicitly spoken of or, or canonical to the, uh, to the movies. It's not, I, it's, oh, it's more like Easter eggs, but it's just kind of an interesting little tidbit. And I was pointing out when I learned that <laughs> I was like, yeah. head exploded. What? <laughs> anyway, but I digress. Luke again. Okay. What can you recall of this movie in particular? Um, I, I, I mean the, the Stark scene that I can recall from memory right now, is and and I always wanted to do this and I, and I knew my mom was going to kill me if I did but <laughs> it's Donnie and Mike they're in the toy store and they're playing with the toys and the footer ransacking the mall and everything and you just have you they 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 they're messing around with the toys and all of a sudden they notice that this little clown goes back and forth and back <laughs> and forth and like that's a cool idea and then the foot come in and they're like where's the turtles go where's the turtles go 
and he and you just see one of the turtles just going back and forth, and then they, they do like the little three stooges, like where you know, and that that scene I feel like kind of encompasses what this new turtles universe is because having come from the first movie into the second movie, you would be like, whoa, <laughs> total change. But if you just yeah. came into this movie and this was your first movie, you'd be like, these are some fun guys. Like this is going to be a fun movie. It's you know? worth pointing out. And I mentioned this to even to Luke before we started the show that like um, one of the, the great sadnesses of box office 30 is that I was hoping to get it started in enough time to do um, the original Ninja Turtles movie as our first episode. We unfortunately missed that mark and, and history is what it is, but it is worth pointing out. Like there's a big, big um, change between the first movie and the second movie, as far as tone and just feel. And like, this one's definitely a lot goofier, a lot lighter in, in, in a lot of respects. And yeah, I'm curious why so that change I, occurs. I, 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 <laughs> So I, I can speak to that from watching the other one recently. It starts off very gritty and there's a lot of the movie that's very gritty and dark and and then there's a lot of silliness too. And what I felt with the first Turtles movie is it could not find its identity. Like it's either very dark and serious or very silly and there's a lot of nuances that tie into Star Wars in the first one in particular that like uh you know they almost used the force in the movie a couple of times and splinter literally force projects himself into a fire <laughs> I about that and, yes, and, yes. and, and, and talks in fairness, to them. that's closer to harry and, potter than uh than any use of the force <laughs> <laughs> but but like uh you know it's i i like the first one a lot i think there's certain things about it that are really really good but I feel like it couldn't find its identity if it wanted to take itself very serious or be silly. Whereas I think the latter two films leaned into the let's be a fun action comedy as opposed to a serious action comedy. I mean, like the funny part about that for me, and again, like I haven't seen the movie in a while. Like I said, I started trying to watch it the other day and then I just wasn't able to get into it just because stuff um, so I, I probably for the review of this, I'm probably going to go back and watch the first one and then the second one just to get myself on the sort of the same page with them. But like, I feel like I, out of the three, I remember the first one being by and far the best. I, I don't know. Any, any feelings it, from you guys on that? Like. I, I do like the first one a lot. I really think it was really good. I feel like there's more things that I can visually remember about this movie, especially the ending on that dock and, and the whole vanilla ice sequence. <laughs> Who can forget <laughs> that? <laughs> and the third one is very foggy to me. Very, very foggy. Well, be before we get too far, so, so Luke, we kind of jumped on top of you there. Anything else that you like can recall plot wise or. I, I just. Sticks uh, out. I mean, the other thing that sticks out is uh, always looking at the ooze and being a, a big Nickelodeon fan. And I knew it was bad for me. You know, it, it made the <laughs> turtles, but it, it also like made the shredder and stuff and, and made all the, uh, you know, token razor and stuff. It's I always wanted to play with it. Like it, it made me feel like slime. I was like, oh, I want I want to touch the ooze. And, and like most of the 
toys afterwards, you would you like crack the ooze and you're like, Ooh, I'm playing with the ooze. I'm going to turn into a turtle and stuff. You know, like, um, it, it kind of, it's funny that like the, the plot device of the ooze was so, uh, you know, dangerous, but also as a kid, you were like, I want to play and I want to play in the puddle of booze. Yeah. I want to Well, do that. it's so funny too. And it's like, you bring up a couple really good points there. And like, one of them is that like, I felt like they partially borrowed the gimmick of this from like the real Ghostbusters because, you know, they were doing the stuff with the mm-hmm. slime and the toys and everything at that time. Now, like, correct me if I'm wrong, but like, where's, wasn't it in the cartoon? They talked about it more as mutagen, not, not ooze like like yeah, i yeah. felt like at the time it was a letdown that they went with like oh it's the ooze like rather than like oh it's the mutagen you know like mutagen what a great word you know like like i remember that at the time like you get your toy and it came with the little jar of the mutagen so you could like turn them from like the little turtles remember they came up with a toy with like the little bitty turtles and you like pour the ooze on that the mutagen and then like you could like be like oh now he's like all grown up and he's michelangelo <laughs> And I think jumping at like a rock skip and jump on that was once that took off, that's how I think they got the idea for the Power Ranger movie. They're like, ooze is great. Put ooze in there. I don't care how you get in there. Just stick it in there. There's yeah, ooze. well, Turtles a couple of years later tie in with Saban. So they, they become pretty closely related to the, uh, the uh, Power Rangers at a point. I, I think they went with the terminology of the ooze because it was easier for the broader – fandom or population to buy into the terminology that. like ooze versus like although i mean like what does just ooze assume sound like i mean like ugh. Right. <laughs> like that sounds like something that like comes out of like something you just pinched you know i mean like <laughs> <laughs> i think i'd rather stick with mutagen at that rate <laughs> He made a pimple joke, folks. He made a pimple joke. And it's more bizarre that I couldn't just outright come out and say it. You gotta go see uh, Dr. Zit Squeezer or something if you gotta get more into that thing. I digress. (laughs) But uh, another thing that you brought up... Evil Popper MD? Yes. (laughs) Another one you bring up, though, that that is um, one of my all-time question marks with this movie. Toka and Razar. Why? Oh God! Why? Why? Like, why not Bebop and Rocksteady? Like, what do right. you think happened with that? Can, can I just can I just you know like squishing your right fingers now? together and make Mike's making the money sign here? That doesn't translate to a audio medium, sir. <laughs> I was waiting for you to say it. I was waiting for you to say money. Yes, I I, I oftentimes do this where we're talking on a video <laughs> chat. I make physical comedy without actually projecting said I know, comedy. I know you like I'm to like, drag it up, but every once in a while I think I got a Razio on it too. <laughs> it's all about that money. Probably cost too much and they well, probably couldn't get, maybe get what? the rights. They have the rights to the Ninja Turtles franchise. They got all the turtles. They got Super Shredder. They got they got like all the stuff like like they couldn't get Bebop and Rocksteady. That's the thing they couldn't afford. I mean, they, they, they couldn't get uh, the the Krang guy either. You know, I uh, think that we could talk all about Krang. I mean, like, I think there was a lot of people, even at the time that the movie came out, where they did Turtles and like uh, in, I forget what the third one's called. I want to call it Turtles in Time, but that's the game. But the the one where they head back to feudal Japan, like, I think a lot of people were annoyed that that wasn't the one where like Krang finally shows up and that becomes the story that they just went to this like generic, we'll go back in time and like save Japan sort of thing, you know? Um, But 
I don't know. Like, I thought that was weird that they didn't pull those two very, very iconic characters in and basically instead went with, like, you know, rip-off versions. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you ask me, it's like, okay, did the set designer be like, I'm not going to bring in a, an, a rhinoceros and, and a warthog. We can't do that. That's that's too dangerous for the actors. Let's get a turtle <laughs> and, like, a rabid dog, and let's just yeah, put what them was, in there. It was, it, it was like know? a snapping turtle was yeah. the, one of them, because they were like, oh, yeah. we got to get, like, vicious animals. Like, and the, other, and the other was a wolf, wolf. or, like, wolf. A, yeah. or like a... Yeah. I mean, like... Yeah. Weird, like weird. I mean, I I remember at the time as a kid, and maybe we'll see if it's in the trailer because, like I said, we'll do our preview review in a bit here and see if they pop up there. But I I remember either finding out ahead of the movie somehow that these were like the proxies that they brought in to be the mutants besides the turtles, and I remember even as a child being disappointed by this choice. I was like, "Where's Bebop yeah. and Rocksteady? Who are these two? And like, especially then when you see the movie and they're just like, yeah, yeah, I don't talk. They're baby. You know, they're like, ba- they're basically yeah, babies. Like, yeah, like Bebop and Rocksteady's whole thing was it was like they were like two like punk guys that they like mixed with like the things to get the warthog and and um, what was the other one? Rhinoceros, Rhinoceros. Thank you. You know, and then like this was like, I don't know. It was just like weird. I mean, like, I guess there was like a different continuity kind of in the movies about how the mutations sort of worked that they were like, Oh, you were turtles and you were near me. I was a human. Therefore you became more human. Like, and I was a human and like, I was near a rat. So I became a rat man, you know, like, and I guess that's like how they, they kind of make it work. I don't remember if it worked differently in the cartoon or something. I feel like in the cartoon, like they just like, so, uh, in the cartoon, they, they, what you said is what they did. In the movies, Splinter's always right, a rat. He's a, rat. He's a baby. Because right, he's doing, he's a little, and that's one of my favorite parts of the first movie. He's like a little rat, like imitating the ninja moves. It was so cool. <laughs> I forgot about that. Also, the first movie, the all the costumes and everything were done by Jim Henson before he died. This was a totally different costume, like really? company and designer and so, on and so forth. So I wonder if they just, tried to do bebop and rocksteady were like we can't do it like we just can't make it work so they went with something more generic or whatever or maybe they wanted to make other characters to sell more toys you know yeah bingo bango that might have uh (laughs) for me another recollection of this is they befriend like casey jones is out april o'neill slim but they befriended because they had like the kid in the first movie and they're trying to get him back on like the straight and narrow there was another kid in this one, except he could also do karate. He was like a pizza guy yeah. or something. Do you know who that actor is? My head. He was in Surf Ninjas. I know that. Yeah. Kino? I think that was his character name. Kino? <laughs> uh, what's his name? Uh, I, I just had it on the top of my tongue. Um, Reyes Jr. Oh, Ernie, Ernie Reyes Jr.? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So he... He's he's in the movie and he he takes place of the Danny character essentially in this movie and he's you know he he knows how to fight and he's a pizza guy or whatever and um, because it's funny when Luke I'm, mentioned about the mall that's what made me remember that is like he was like delivering a pizza in the mall and that's like how like the movie starts or something I think mm-hmm. he gets attacked yeah. or something like that I don't remember yeah he gets he almost gets mugged when he's yeah. delivering pizzas and then I think Michelangelo meets him or something like that that's what I remember. 
Yeah, interesting. I'm trying to think. Like, you have any other? I, I don't know. Yeah, I'm just like trying to like dig up now. Like, because like I see Pete's brain is sort of like trying yeah, the to get part the, for like, me is, the Rolodex. I going. feel like out of the three movies that I remember, the first and the third better than the second. I have very strong recollections of particular things in the second. Like, I remember as you said, the doc scene at the end and the face off against Super Shredder, yeah. and he gets crushed by the collapsing um, pier. Uh, yet again crushed, although I feel like the garbage compactor would have finished it in the first one. I'm not really 100% clear on how he made it out of that. Um, but uh, there's that. Uh, most of the rest of the movie is foggy for me. First movie, I remember most of the plot. I remember that they meet mm-hmm. April, you know, and like they um, they get defeated they get their butts handed to them really bad and like there's the kids on like this like like randall island sort of thing that they're stealing all the stuff from around the city and you know they're trying to get that one kid back normal and then like raf gets really hurt in that big house fire at april's place Mm -hmm. and like he's in a bathtub for a long time and they're like out like grapes of wrath like jokes or like they're out at like this like (laughs) you know place and donnie's fixing up the old truck like that movie i remember very very well and then the third movie I remember fairly well. Like they get like these like really cool like light scepters and like if you twist it or something, like it like sends them back in time and like April goes back in time. So then the turtles have to like follow her back um, because she found it at, like, like an antique shop. And then like then they're in feudal Japan and like there's something going on with like a warlord or something and they got to like fight. And, you know, it's, like, it becomes right. like a whole typical schlock with that and and you know it's like this whole thing they're riding horses i think at a point which is funny to watch yes um and then they gotta like all hold on to the staff to get back to the future again and uh i think casey jones is back in that one and yeah yeah you know like so those ones i really remember the whole middle section of two i just do not remember what's happening like i don't remember how shredder shows up again i don't really remember what I don't really remember what the, the inciting thing is. Like, what is the point of what's going on in the middle of the movie? That's all bloop, floated right out of my head. So nice. <laughs> I wonder if maybe we should go and watch the trailer now to see if we can remember anything. Right. You are Michael. All right, let's do our preview review. Okay, let's take a look at this trailer. Let's count us down. Three, two, one. New Line. We're getting a lot of New Line movies lately. Oh, I like this beat. <laughs> eight million can scarf down their slices. Ooh. Gotta, gotta, gotta scarf your slices. The entire like front part of this is just all about pizza. <laughs> right, so here's the toy. That, 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 that was, yeah, yeah. The yo-yo yeah, trick. I mean, like already, the feeling of this is so much more silly and zany. Well, you know, in this market, it's and April's like brighter. Like, like, like the other April is more serious. I feel like. Oh, I forgot how cool the Blair was in this one when they find the abandoned train. The past <laughs> returns, my son. Whoa. Guys, look! That's the canister that had the ooze. That Ooh, a MacGuffin. Yes. Well, look at this. Oh, listen to those like beepity beepity beep. <laughs> yeah. TTRI. Uh-oh. 
phones are knocking down the telephone poles. <laughs> that might be the best line in the movie. The next fight would be freak against freak. Take the ugly uh, one. No, you take the ugly one. Which one's the ugly one? <laughs> yeah, this is definitely more silly. That's an epic. Uh, oh, so that's how he ends yeah. up in the uh, in the show. This little random show that Vanilla Ice is doing. Splinter's uh, helmet has gotten way more uh, serious in this. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah, right. They're basically just showing that whole scene at this point now. <laughs> yeah. They're basically showing the whole go movie. Go here. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I remember that line. Okay. (laughs) Um, So so it definitely is a lot more silly and goofy than the first movie is. The first movie takes itself way more serious. I do remember a lot more of this movie now that seeing this trailer because it shows a lot of the movie, I feel like. I I don't know what the whole middle section of that movie is, though, because like even again in this trailer, like they show like the pizza guy and getting attacked and the turtles are fighting with him and they show, you know, Master Splinter saying, oh, our past has returned and they show like this fist punching through. But like, again, there's no like real like why or how or for what reason Shredder has somehow magically returned from getting crushed in a garbage compactor um and uh and then it's like all right like there's a scientist with the ooze and somebody's i guess the shredder or somebody was taking it from him so like there's that is that scientist baxter stockman i don't know good question could he become baxter stockman that would be pretty cool um i don't know though i mean like i I just i still can't even figure from that like what like all right, we've got like the end third is like that whole like showdown and they're fighting and Vanilla Ice is rapping and all that sort of thing. First section presumably is meeting up with the new character and finding out, I guess, that Shredder's back. But what's the whole middle of this movie? Just that uh, finding the like lair, they're creating Toka and Razar. I mean, is that it? Like, what is the middle portion of this? You know, I, I just right. don't remember. I think it's partly that they find the train station and build their own lair. lair. Yeah. And the, you know, t- the, the other mutants. Wait a minute. And- I think I just remember something. Do they get their butts really handed to them and they like lose their lair and that's why they got to go find something new? That's Is that the first, the first one. one? That's the first one. Yeah, they de- they yeah. definitely find it and, and destroy it. They had no lair coming back because the because were, they were, were living with April. Yeah. So that's interesting. So I wonder if this takes place relatively quickly after. I mean, like, obviously the movie comes out relatively soon after, but I wonder if the timeline continuity of this takes place pretty soon after the the end of the first movie. I for, I totally like, forgot that they wait, did. Wait, because, like, isn't there a scene at, like, the very beginning of this where, like, the garbage truck pulls up to, like, a landfill and, like, dumps the garbage out and you see him come out? Oh, uh, see, I remember that now, too. It's coming back to me, friends. <laughs> I've seen yes. these movies on repeat enough no. on VHS that some of this stuff should be, like, little neurons in the back of my head. I couldn't remember, but the trailers showed it, which was the April's like, hey, you guys ever going to leave my apartment? Yeah, like, yeah, and, yeah. And so I'm like, oh, yeah, they were just like hanging out and they're like, breaking the way, I guess it's like a new apartment because didn't the other one just like just burn down? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it got wrecked. Yes. yes, it got wrecked. Interesting. I always right. thought the scientist was a little boring, though. I was yeah. It's like he looks like generic scientist, (laughs) right? I love all like the machines behind him that are just like (laughs) like lights blinking and all this. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) All 
All right. Well, I say let's bring this train into the station um, because we're going to have plenty to review about this sucker coming up. So, uh, Michael, why don't you uh, mention our our usual social stuff? So you can find us on Twitter at Box Office 30, on Facebook at Box Office 30, on Instagram, Box Office 30, T-H-I-R-T-Y. Why? Because we love you. I was going to say I was going to say I was going to try to read it. B-O-X-O-O-F-F-I-C. I can't spell. T-H-I-R-T-Y. You can go to our website. You can go to our Public store. You can find us all over the place. You can also follow us on the Retro Network's family of podcasts you can check us on our various podcasting platforms we're all over the place we got our instagram we post some cool stuff or pete posts some cool stuff and i <laughs> like it <laughs> hence yeah the life of a producer it's also worth mentioning too uh, you can catch michael and i on the freshly recorded um just uh, it's on patreon over with the wizards guys episode of 90s super cinema we took a look at the rocketeer um, which is a fabulous movie. So you can also catch us over there um, pretty soon. It's uh, exclusive over there right now, but it'll be coming to our channel in, in the coming months. Yes. All right. So uh, we've been finishing this uh, show up lately with our big movie quiz. Um, so, uh, you know, guest choice here. We've got three different things you can choose from. We do comedy classics, action movies, or Oscar winners. I'm going to do comedy classics. Comedy classics it is. Okay, so uh, now we uh, we actually, I was saying to Luke earlier, we had this nice kind of um, play the other day when we did this on 90s Super Cinema where um, usually I'm asking Michael these and seeing if he can figure out the answers. But uh, when you have two people, I can play you off each other. So <laughs> the uh, we kind of uh, do this as like a sort of mini lightning round thing. I'm shuffling up our cards here. Let's do it a best of five. So whoever comes up with the best, best of, out five, of five. All right. That's fair enough. Yeah, cool. All right. So uh, I'm going to throw um, some of these questions out and uh, you'll tell me this is actually one of the questions we did the other day on the uh, 90 Super Center. I'm going to straight. I'm going to skip that one. Um, so if you know the answer, just bark it out. Whoever gets the answer out first gets the point correctly. Whoever gets the, the answer out first correctly gets the point. <laughs> I do not accept wrong answers. Okay. All right, so here's our first one. Number one, what was the name of the sequel to Honey, I Shrunk the Kids? Honey, I Blew Up the Baby. Mm. Luke, you got an alternative to that? Uh, I was just saying, Honey, I Blew Up the Kids. <laughs> Luke has it. It is not Baby. It is Honey, I Blew Up the Kids. Are you sure? The word. <laughs> they definitely just blew up a baby, so I, I think technically you're right. I, I know that it is the baby that gets blown up, but I'm pretty sure they stuck with the formulaic uh, way of titling it. He's going to look it up. Mm, I am. <laughs> I, feel, I feel robbed here. I gave you the... Uh, you had a chance. <laughs> uh, okay. Honey, I blew up the kid singular. Uh, all right. Well, that okay. might be a typo on their card here. They got kids. Either way, we're, we're going with the kid's answer. We're going to give it give it to the all guest. Right. I'll, give it to, I'll, I'll give it to our guest. All right. Fine. One zero. Number two. In what year was As Good As It Gets released? And if you don't know, random guesses will be accepted. <laughs> Two, 2002. Nope. As good as it 
as good as it gets. Yep. Mm, 99. Ooh, getting closer. <clears throat> you know thousand? what? We'll, we'll do that one with the, um, the good old uh, Price is Right, whoever got closer to the... <laughs> <laughs> Neither one of us got it. Yeah. yeah but now the two of you could just keep going 98, 97, 96. Yeah, the, the answer is 1997. So I'm gonna I'm gonna give that one to Luke as as he got technically closer to the uh to the number. Oh we're both over. So it's price, uh, you know what? We'll, price we'll, yeah, I'll tell you what, we'll throw that question out. We'll we'll we'll, we'll yeah, go on to the next away. one. That'll be a rule going forward. Whoever gets closest to a number, okay. All right. Uh, what is the name of the song that Tom Cruise's character dances to in Risky Business? Oh, God. Uh, These are some trickier ones today. I feel like we've been getting really easy ones. These are some trickier ones. Uh, old time rock and roll. All right. Yeah. We're tied up. One, one. <laughs> nice. All right. Next on the list here. Which actor plays Robert De Niro's psychiatrist in Analyze This? Billy Crystal. There we go. Oh, yes. <laughs> two, two, one. All right. We got uh, two more questions here. This could this could be uh, the winner, right? Coming up here. Who starred in the 1963 version of The Nutty Professor? Jerry Lewis. Oh, uh, I, I think yeah, I had you right. Just repeat it one more time. Jerry Lewis. Jerry Lewis it is. Yeah. All right. Luke takes the win. <laughs> Thank you're good. You. Thank you're you for good. playing. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, as Michael said, we want to thank the Retro Network as usual for hosting our good show over here. Check out the review episode of for Secret of the Use in Friday in two weeks. And uh, big, big thank you to our guest, Luke. Thank you so much for joining us, Luke. As we said, you'll be back for the review. So we're looking forward to that very much. Thanks for having me. Thanks for yeah. It was fun catching up and, t- and going down memory lane. It was it was a lot of fun. So all right. Well, uh, thank you all so much for listening. Until next time, can we we got to do the Ninja Turtle thing on three? One, two, three. Cowabunga! <laughs> We're dorky dads in our thirties. <laughs> Bye, friends. Bye. Bye. This has been a presentation of the Retro Network.